0: My uh, career really took off, you know, like things were going well. Uh, What didn't work so well for me is that I was becoming less and less me. I was becoming more and more this version, this clinical, efficient, robotic version of myself. That is very difficult for an individual to lose their agency and it creates a lot of uncertainty. Uh, And a lot of uncertainty creates stress, creates anxiety, creates depression, creates trauma, the whole shebang. And uh, we tend to discount that.
1: You are listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series, where James Robert uncovers and explores some of the industry's biggest digital marketing and sales stories of success. Let's get into the show.
2: Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 274 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series and I'm excited to welcome Peggy Van de to the show. Peggy spent over a decade as an executive leader in banking and now she's a leading speaker and author who writes and speaks about personal transformation as well as mental health. These are important topics to me as I personally know how important both personal transformation as well as mental health is for any leader looking to maximize their own future growth potential because when a leader is maximizing their future growth potential they're going to maximize the future growth potential of their team they're going to maximize the future growth potential of their organization so together we are going to venture into some new territory on this podcast that we have never explored before and i invite you to join me on this journey with an open heart with an open mind as Peggy shares her personal story of growth and transformation. Welcome to the show, Peggy. It is good to share time with you today. It's
0: wonderful to be here. Thank you for the invitation, James.
2: Well, before we get into talking about, I would say even the need, the need for personal transformation, As part of any type of transformational journey, regardless of if that is digital transformation, brand transformation, cultural transformation, I would like to start the show out on a positive note. What is good for you right now, personally or professionally, it is your pick to get started?
0: Well, many things are great right now. Actually, I'm at a ski resort. Uh, We have some construction happening at our home and my husband and I decided to spend six weeks at a ski resort, you know, thanks to working from home. And, you know, for us, it's a big change because just six months ago, we would have never dared leave Toronto for that long of a period. So it's uh, it's a big change. It's very good. And it's a big change of mindset for us. So that's, that's great.
2: Well, it's interesting you talk about this idea of change of mindset, because I think, you know, when you talk about transformation, mindset, is such an important part of the narrative, and and you have been speaking, you have been writing, uh, you've been podcasting around personal transformation, mindset, mental health, all all important subjects here to have conversations around. I too have been thinking about this. You know, when when thinking about digital transformation, I feel organizations have struggled because they've taken an outside-in approach. They've tried to transform at an organizational level Well, people and teams, teams feel confused of like, why are we doing this? And then the individuals on that teams feel confused. And so this, this, this outside-in approach maybe isn't the best approach. Maybe we should look and explore another possible path, which would be an inside-out approach. Because... If you transform the self, then you'll transform the team, and if you transform the team, then you'll transform the organization. And I, I want to get your take on this to start here, because you know you you have been uh, in banking and, and a venture capitalist for for twenty years. You've seen things. What's your take on this idea of transforming from an inside out versus an outside in approach?
0: Yeah. Thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, we, we tend to forget that uh, an organization is a is a sum of individuals. It's a sum of self, you know. Like it's not. Uh, it, it becomes an entity by itself, but it's it, it doesn't start like that. It always starts with one one person and and, and several people, and um, you know, change is scary. Uh, it, you know, we're human beings. We don't like uncertainty, and mm-hmm. it's just the reality. Some of us are more uh, scared by change than others, but it's, it's nonetheless uh, true for, for most of us. And what I've seen in the corporate world, um, in large organizations, especially I worked in very large bank, um, I also worked in smaller organizations, but uh, I saw it in large organizations mainly, is the impact on mental health, of this control and command um, approach that most organizations have and i saw it i would say first because individuals lose their control of themselves agency you know their agency exactly they're losing their agency and and that is very difficult for an individual to lose their agency and it creates a lot of uncertainty Mm. Uh, and a lot of Certainty creates stress, creates anxiety, creates depression, creates trauma—the whole shebang. Yeah, and uh, we tend to discount that. But when for twenty years you work in an organization, day by day, you know, like it, it creates it creates a lot of challenges for your mental health. So so that's the first thing, you know, when you look at transforming an organization. Well, do you have healthy individuals? And do you interact with your employees or your members in a way that is healthy for them? And I would say mostly, no. <laughs> so so that's, you know, to bring it back to the transformation of the self, I think we need to be honest with what is the status we're starting with. And it's mainly people who are not at their best every day.
2: Mm, yeah, you know, honesty. Um, One of the things I'm writing about in my second book, Banking on Change, are the three T's for transformation. The very first one, probably the hardest of them all, is to tell the truth. To tell the truth first and Mm -hmm. foremost to ourselves about where we've been, where we are, and where we could go next on our own journeys of growth. And if we have been desensitized to a degree to not even think about that, have that conversation with ourselves, how do we even know? like if we're on the right path as an individual and you know as I mentioned you were a banker venture capitalist 20 years you're writing a new book and I I think it'd be helpful for the dear listener to to provide them with some context of just your own journey of transformative growth to get to where you're at today take us back
0: it's been an interesting journey because I'm sure you can hear uh, to my accent. I'm from France originally. So I, I moved to, to North America 20 years ago at the beginning of my career. I just worked in France for a few years. And uh, the, the work environment is very different, very, very different in North America and in Europe. And uh, I started reading all these books on leadership and managing your career and how do you get to the corner office and all that stuff. And the advice... When I look at it right now, twenty years later, with I would say uh, a bit more wisdom, these advice are literally sociopathic advice, which is really lie, cheat, fake your way to the top, mm. and that's that's what I was fed or what I fed myself of <laughs> when I when I studied because I thought, okay, I'm in North America, I need to understand how the game is played. And even if some of his advice didn't seem very um, honest, maybe that's the word, um, well, I applied them because like, well, I think that's the way people here play the game. And uh, it worked very well for me. My uh, career really took off, you know, like things were going well. Uh, What didn't work so well for me is that I was becoming less and less me. I was becoming more and more... This version, this clinical, efficient, robotic version of myself. Amazing to be successful in a corporation. Not so good for your mental health.
2: So let me pause you right there because this is an important part of the journey to maybe just unpack a little bit further. And I think some people feel this. Some people don't feel this. Um, it's a matter of, I think, just personal awareness of self. How am I feeling when I look at myself in the mirror? What do I see? Who is looking back at me? What was it to where you realize that? I think your words, and I'm going to paraphrase. So please correct me. You said I, I, I wasn't feeling like myself anymore. What? Did this happen over a week, a month, multiple years? What did this look like for you?
0: So so it happened over multiple years. So my last gig in a bank was seven years ago. I was an exec. I was leading innovation, so talking about, about change. And I realized the way I was managing my team, I was managing the relationship with the people I was working with, was very tough. I had no compassion anymore. It was just about efficiency. Mm. And I didn't really like that vision of myself. And just before taking that gig, I was managing a family office for a very, very wealthy uh, tech entrepreneur. And, you know, I saw in him a version of myself I didn't like, a controlling, you know, tough as nail uh, version of herself. So it started with him. And then when I went to the bank, I realized, okay, that thing is not working well. And as life, you know, as it, the person I was working with was very insecure, which made him very difficult to work with, you know, like a bit of a bully type Mm -hmm. of person. And when I spoke about that to my chain of command, what I received as a feedback was, Oh, yeah, we know he's a bully. We had many people complain, but you're going to have to deal with that. It's just the way it is. It's your problem. No, that's when I resigned. And that's when I really started spending more time on my personal growth, trying to go back to being a person who was kind and compassionate versus ruthless angling for the next promotion at all costs.
2: You brought up a key point there when talking about this experience, insecurity. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but in in 2012 my business was 10 years old, very successful at the time and but I was a bad person. Um, you know, my wife was probably the one who helped me the most then, but at the time maybe even seemed a little bit like the enemy because she was calling me out. Uh not a good husband, not a good father. We had two small children. We One was two. The other one was, was a newborn. And she pretty much said, you're going to have to make some choices. It's the business or it's the family. You're going to have to figure this out. Yeah. But I always looked at things of, well, I want the business and I want the family. I just need to figure out a new way forward to integrate both. And I think the idea, and, and maybe this is where my mind is coming out of COVID, is like work-life balance, right? It's more like work-life integration. It's how can I just be me and both sides, you know, personally, professionally, because when you take those two worlds, personal growth, professional growth, and combine them together, that's what leads to exponential growth for the individual.
1: Just like people feel stressed about money, we understand digital growth can also feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. But it doesn't have to feel this way for you because you can join the Digital Growth University to gain clarity through education, to overcome the fear of the unknown. Build your team's courage with a growth strategy to eliminate the fear of change and increase your confidence with coaching to remove the fear of failure. Visit digitalgrowth.com university to apply.
2: Because if you're struggling personally, you're going to struggle professionally. If you're struggling professionally, you're going to struggle personally. And if you're able to align both sides of the equation, personal and professional, that leads to exponential growth as an individual. Now bring individuals together in an organization who feel the same way. That makes up a team. The team's now growing exponentially. But you said you started to have to work on yourself. And for me, it was my wife basically saying, you're going to have to make a choice. So it was an outside driver. I had to bring in some outside perspective because I couldn't see the label on the bottle. I was stuck in the bottle. So I needed some external perception. And it was David C. Baker who who had worked with other marketing agencies like mine at the time. And he said, hey, just blow up, blow the business up, start over, and go down a new path. and and it's exactly what I did. It's been over a decade now. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to where you had this moment of awareness, this experience. And you said, I started to do more personal development, focus more on personal growth. What did you do? How did you do that for the dear listener who might be thinking, we're having this conversation. They're like, this is me. This is how I feel right now. But I don't know what to do next. How can yeah. you share your experience? Maybe provide them with this is what this is what Peggy did. How can Peggy help them? Yeah.
0: So and maybe there is a disclaimer here before I go uh, in, in what I've done, and it's very similar to what what you mentioned, is that you will probably have to blow off a few things. And very often when starting a personal growth journey, people don't really give you that warning. And then when it happens, you're just like, oh my God, I didn't see it coming. And if, it, if I had known, I might have still done it, but maybe I would have done it a bit differently. So that's something I'm always very, very mindful when explaining my personal group journey is that uh, it wasn't clean, it wasn't easy, and it wasn't fast.
2: I want to reinforce this. It wasn't clean, it wasn't easy, and it wasn't fast. But I think if, and and I agree with you 100%, now a decade plus later, since I've gone down this own path myself, and if I look back, it wasn't clean, it wasn't easy, it wasn't fast. And I would say, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And I don't think that there's a final destination, at least from my own perception right now. I don't know. Maybe there is, but I haven't achieved that because I feel like I can always... Learn and be even better than what I was before based upon the new knowledge that, I mean, even in this conversation and all the conversations that I've had on the podcast, I'm always taking something and it's getting deposited up into to my mind that is then maybe I'll forget about it, but it's, it's still there. It's in the subconscious. So that's going to influence me one way, shape, yeah. form, or fashion or another. So it, it wasn't clean. It wasn't easy. And it wasn't fast. So that's a great disclaimer for the dear listener that if you want to, commit to go down this path no it is a journey and it is about progress not perfection right like
0: many controlling or at least recovering controlling person perfection was the goal because if you're perfect no one can catch you you know and and tell you you're not you're not good enough so you yeah. know there's a catch uh, catch 22 here but So what did I do? I did plenty of different things, to be totally honest. Uh, I tend to try many things. I'm a bit, uh, you know, the, the canary in the coal mine. So uh, from coaching, meditation, journaling, hypnosis... To things a bit more random, sweat lodge uh, in Mexico, energy healing, homeopathy, acupuncture, shiatsu. Anyway, so I, I tried many, many things. A lot of, a lot of,
2: things. a lot of modalities. It sounds like a lot of different lot e- of experimentation. Okay. Yes.
0: Well, because I believe that you're never twice the same person. No. So sticking to the same thing over and over again. I don't think makes sense. It's the same story than, okay, you're going to tell me the best diet for you. Well, we're not even the same gender. You know, like again, this one, two, three step trick for your diet, your personal transformation, your whatever. I just find it so stupid because we're different people and I'm not even the same person that I was yesterday and that I will be tomorrow. So one thing I really want to mention because it has worked very well for me and, and you know that, is that I started uh, microdosing uh, psilocybin, so magic mushroom, uh, nine months ago. And what I really, really, really like with that is that It helped me on, on, you know, I would say three buckets. The first one is performance and focus. The second is mental health. And the third is spirituality and awareness. And I mentioned a lot of the modalities I I used. The beauty with microdosing is that it really augments and deepen and fasten the results of these other modalities.
1: Mm.
0: So... If I had started microdosing at the same time, I might have started doing hypnosis, meditation, and all that great stuff. It would have probably accelerated the path because the beauty with psychedelics is that they rewire your brain. Yes. So, and so for people like me who uh, had high level of anxiety. But also depression, PTSD, without knowing it, without even knowing it, all the traditional personal growth uh, tools, unfortunately, don't work very well. Because you're not really starting from a very healthy foundation. Right. Yeah. While um, working with microdosing, microdosing many, many oh, psilocybin, many uh, clinical uh, trials and clinical uh, studies are showing that it's extremely helpful for people with depression, anxiety, PTSD, and addiction, which was probably the only thing I didn't have. Well, but, I- or maybe... yes.
2: I Addicted would, to work. For that, that, that's what I was going to hop in, and because because in the back yeah. of my mind, I'm hearing Joe Polish, um, who has spoken frequently about addiction, and and one of the addictions, like it, I forget how he says this, but it is, it's almost like the commonly accepted addiction is workaholism. Um, and and we get addicted, and I've been there, like myself. And I, you know, I I would say I'm a recovering digital addict, um, and I'm I'm a recovering workaholic, and I'm trying to find balance in my life, because what is it that we're trying to avoid, or what if what we're trying to, um, get affirmation in, and there's a lot that comes back into you know family of origin and childhood upbringing and all of these things, like. and, and, and this has just been my own personal experience here. Like I'm trying to get affirmation from, you know, different things. And, but then when you create this sense of awareness back to your point, you know, and I like the way you framed it, the magic mushroom, because there's this perception and I want to roll this back in just a bit like, Oh, that's, that's, that's a little bit different i i've I've heard bad things about this but no your experience and having experiences of talking with others who've gone down the same type of a journey it literally rewires the mind and it creates new neural pathways um and it can help you perceive and see things differently about yourself and just the world around you what would you say to the dear listener who is a financial brand leader at a bank, at a credit union, uh-huh. at a fintech, who is very uh-huh. smart, very analytical, a left-brain driven leader and they're uh-huh. thinking, wow, this podcast has just gone off the deep end. We're talking we're talking <laughs> psychedelics now. But it is your experience, it is your story, it is your journey and one that I just hope helps to create some awareness of The world is transforming around us what was true and truth is that's a whole nother conversation for another day but what was true a decade ago 20 years ago i even think you know growing up in the united states as an elementary student they had a program called dare drug awareness resistance education i think is what it was it's like dare to keep a kid off drugs but it's almost like we're looking at this now through a different lens of well this is this is plant-based medicine and it is part of certain individuals personal transformation that is required for their continued growth otherwise you kind of stagnate and you get stuck in what i call the cave of complacency which is a very dangerous place to be so what would you do for the dear listener to help maybe reduce some of the stigma around psychedelics in your own experience here
0: well you know it's it's interesting what you mentioned truth you know truth is very contextualized mm. and uh what uh was accepted even 10 years ago is absolutely not accepted anymore. And, you know, we can go, me too, Black Lives Matters, all this movement where when I was working in organization, I heard and seen things that were absolutely outrageous, but yeah. you could see that at the time. No, well, you'd be, thank God, uh, fired uh, on the spot. Mm-hmm. So, so truth doesn't really mean much. Um, the thing with psychedelics versus drugs like anti-anxiety medication or the only difference is that they've been approved by the FDA. But, you know, Oxycotine was approved by the FDA as well. I'm, I'm not always totally bullish on what is legal, uh, meaning right, or illegal, meaning not right. Right. <laughs> you know, th- things change. Um, for the executive of a very uh, traditional person, conservative yes. person, which I am, I never taken any recreational drugs before and I have never taken any prescription drugs before either. So wow. you could not find more conservative than I uh, in, in that regard. So I absolutely understand where, uh, where people stand. You know, for me, it has been reaching a level where I can continue doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Or I can change uh, something in my life and see what happens. And I'm not saying uh, you should try a regimen of cocaine, uh, bed tan- bet- tanning, and Marlboro. That's not what I'm saying.
2: Of course <laughs> you know, not. Like, do,
0: do some research. That's what I've done. I, because it doesn't matter what I'm going to tell you. Uh, people need to do their own research. Yes. And what what I noticed when I did my own research was... Okay, it's not because other people do it that it's right. It's stupid, you know. Many people do stupid things, and there is not necessarily a truth in numbers. Nonetheless, I could see many, many people in my space, in the venture capital space, in the technology CEO space, actually microdosing. I mean, the, the psychedelics resurgence really came from from the valley, let's from Silicon Valley. Yes, you it know, did. that's that's why it came. Uh, Because people wanted to use that first for performance and focus, and second for awareness and spirituality. And this is when people realize, oh my God, it has amazing impacts on anxiety, depression, and all that. So today you have tons of companies and VC funds. People don't really know that, but billions are being allocated to psychedelics right now. If you're an investor, you should really look into it because there will be a lot of money to be made, I can tell you that. Do your own research. You have like documentaries on Netflix, you have books, you have, you know, articles, posts, podcasts, you can any information you want to you want to find, you can find. My point is is very simple, is do you want to continue the life the way you do, or do you want to bring more life in your life? And I was just tired of having no life in my life. But for me, I was just like, okay, if I die, i will be very disappointed. And that's not something I can deal with. So that's, you know, I think that's probably the best, (laughs) hopefully the best uh, thing to say, to convince anyone to look into it, you know?
2: And I think that's the key takeaway. It's, it's, before you look at any type of the modalities for personal growth that you have experienced all the way from meditation and coaching uh, to you know hot sauna to
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> right
2: to psychedelics i think it's about asking yourself are you truly happy where you are today or, or do you feel that there's an opportunity, and this is key, not to be better, but to be even better? And the reason I always like to add the word even, because it we're, we can be good, uh-huh. but what can I do to be an even better person, to be an even better father, husband, entrepreneur, because there are things that I cannot see, that I cannot perceive, that are blocking me from achieving yes, that next level of growth in all these different areas of my life. In and, and I appreciate how you shared that this is not telling someone what to do, but to just go explore and what are the possibilities? What's the potentiality? And I think it's because there's a lot of untapped potential in people That is because they're stuck. And I want to get your take on this. Why do we get stuck?
0: So I want to jump on what you just mentioned of potential. And I think, you know, for me, it was this struggle, which is very much linked with, with being stuck and the limiting belief you mentioned, which I know I can do more. I know I want more from life, but I'm stuck. I cannot get that. So this internal turmoil of, I want bigger things in my life. And it, it's not necessarily, okay, I want a bigger house, da, 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 the usual. Of course, I want more monetary success. That's not what I mean. But I just want more of everything. And I'm stuck not able to get it why and that has been the place where I've been struggling and I have to say being extremely frustrated at myself mm. because once again you open any magazine manifest your life it's so easy your thoughts make your life Da, 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 da. which is not wrong it's just that my thoughts were 100% limiting belief and these were beliefs that were telling me, well, you cannot do that. Well, oh no. So, so the world was a small, dark box. While well, I was hoping and striving and knowing that it wasn't true, that I could have an amazing life. Yeah. And that's really it. And I was stuck, why? Because of all the limiting beliefs. And I was doing the same thing over and over again, thinking something else is gonna happen. If you don't change something, I mean, it's just the definition of insanity, you know? So, so, you know, for me, that was really, really that deep suffering of I'm wasting my time away and I'm gonna die and I'm gonna be so upset at myself.
2: So this idea of death, um, and it's two words. It's Latin memento mori and essentially it means remember your death and i think mm-hmm. and it, and it's not from a morbid perspective it's like if i was to die and go where you know go go wh- whatever happens next whatever happens next but if i was to <laughs> die would i would i be happy would i be satisfied with the life that I lived, and I I've, I've watched some like YouTube videos on people that have talked they're kind of they're at their end of days. They're at the, mm-hmm. the end of life. And they talk about regrets. And I think yeah. those two words, memento mori, remember your death, are so important because we're gifted just, you know, a limited amount of time. And then this bigger existential question of, like, why are we here? Maybe this is just a major, like, classroom to learn and grow and, you know, become even better than what we were before. I mean, there, there's this whole other conversation that we could have about that. But you talked about just, is there something bigger? Is there something bigger that I can do? And I, I look at, like, and, and, and not just the big house, I look at, and I've been thinking a lot about this um, for a future book that I'm not ready to write just yet because I still think there's more thought to give consideration, but it's the five dimensions of wealth. And what I mean by the five dimensions of wealth, there is obviously financial wealth, mm-hmm. but then there's health. Then there's there's mental yeah. wealth. There's, there's emotional wealth with that. There's relational wealth. There is spiritual wealth, like purpose. There's all these other things that I think that if we just thought, a little bit about and maybe created the space and the time and I think that's an important point too so many leaders get stuck doing work that they Mm -hmm. don't create space and time to review and reflect what they've done, why they've done it learn through those experiences think about how they can apply those insights to do even better through the next iteration what What do you see as we start to wrap up here as one action that the dear listener could commit to take on their own personal journey of growth?
0: Look at the patterns in your life. What has been happening over and over again in your life. And that will give you a big idea on one or two limiting beliefs that are really, really sorry for the French fucking up your life. And, you know, for me, I was able to look at the way my career was constantly boom and bust, boom and bust, boom and bust. Ah. And I'm sure you know that great book, The Big Leap from Gay Hendricks, where he's talking about the upper limit, where you think you have an upper limit of happiness. And I was a victim of that 200%. And I was absolutely oblivious to that because I could always find a reason, an external reason to justify The boom and the bust, the boom and the bust. But you know what? The only variable that was a constant was me. So maybe the problem was there (laughs) and it was there. So that's what I mean. Look at your patterns. And that can be in your career, in your relationship, in your health, money, anything. Patterns. And then you're going to have the best discovery of your life. And then you will never stop at that. Because, oh, I need to find more. I need to find more
2: so this is where in banking on change I'm writing about the need to just stop pause and do reflection at least once every 90 days because the world is now moving at an exponential rate and if we if we don't create the intentional space and time to pause review re- reflect we will never identify the patterns and I think it's I didn't mm-hmm. I've talked a lot about this from the lens of marketing um, an opportunity identifying common patterns that cause common people problem that cause common people pain. But I, mm-hmm. I, I like taking that 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 thinking now and applying it through what you've shared today. Take time to identify common patterns that are causing you problems, that are causing you pain. And just create yep. some self-awareness and and don't beat yourself up. Don't don't think that you're bad, but just that sense of awareness and maybe then use the five whys kind of going down to first principles of why, 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 why am I like this? Why am I thinking this way? Why am I feeling this way? And then answer the question. Well, why? And then answer the question. And then why? And then answer the question. And keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I think you'll learn some things that you never saw before, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And you know, like it works for, your organization works for you, your family, for everything, you know, but at the end of the day, last thing you want is to be a product mm. of your education, family, da, da, da. 95% of what we think and who we are is not ours. It's something that we've been fed.
2: Subconscious programming. That right there, you, you're a product of your environment. You're a product of your family of origin. You're a product of your upbringing. And it's like writing a book. We get to choose to write a new story. We get to choose to write a new chapter. Dare I say, we get to choose to write an entirely new book and an anthology that has multiple chapters. If I think this is the, the most important part right here in my own mind, if we have the courage to commit to just take a little bit of a different path forward. It's like that one degree on an airplane. If if the airplane shifts one degree to the right or shifts one degree to the left, you might not notice it in a minute. You might not even really notice it in 10 minutes. Do that one degree for hours and days and weeks and years and months. You're going to really see that, that major compounding change going forward. Peggy, This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you for your wisdom that you've shared today through your own journey of growth. What is the best way for someone who's listening? They're like, I understand you're connecting with me. How can they connect with Peggy to continue the conversation we started here today?
0: yeah so they can uh, they can look on my website which is my name piggyvanderplash.com i understand Plash is not an easy name but it's my name and uh, they can also obviously find me on all the social media linkedin and so on and i have a weekly newsletter if they're interested uh, where i speak about all that great stuff so thank you so much for having me James. it was a wonderful conversation
2: Absolutely. Connect with Peggy, learn with Peggy, grow with Peggy. Peggy, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of banking on digital growth as always. And until next time, be well, do good and make your bed.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of banking on digital growth with James Robert Lay to get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance. Visit digitalgrowth.com slash insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.